You've got questions, we've got answers, maybe. We'll find out as we answer your questions right after this. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We're your hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We're blessed that you are here. We get a lot of questions throughout the year, like pretty much questions every week. And so Sam and I like to do this, you know, periodically within the show is just grab a handful of your questions and then kind of unscripted answer them. We both take, we, you know, we have different um, levels of formation, different levels of growth and spiritual discipline and practices within our own individual lives. So hopefully you enjoy these and uh, we appreciate you being here. If this is your first time, please click subscribe um, on the podcast players, your show choice. If you enjoy these episodes, uh, we'd love it if you left us a review on say Apple podcast or Spotify or any of these locations. So um, without Further conversations and intros, let's jump into the questions. All right, so the first question we have is an interesting one. It says, how do you know you were not called to the priesthood and that you were supposed to get married? Um, well, this was an easy one for me. I'll just jump right in because I wasn't Catholic at the time I got married. So uh, there really wasn't a lot of... Uh, consideration of the priesthood on my part since I wasn't Catholic um but yeah I just I felt I guess I will say though that I felt a strong desire to get married long before I met my wife like I just knew I wanted to be a family man I wanted to be a husband and father and there really wasn't much else attracting me in any way so I just knew that that was what I was called to and kind of set off uh seeking a spouse and uh that's another story but uh, for me it just kind of came from that that strong desire so yeah and so mine's a little bit different cradle catholic um since i was a few weeks old um I was a heathen before that and uh when i was <laughs> when i was baptized um i i had a i did have a call to the priesthood so i think that's important when i was an altar boy uh, i did really start reflecting on it and i found a lot of peace in mass, I found a lot of peace being close to mass and uh, kind of the rubrics and the set order um, and uh, and just the closeness to to Christ. I uh, wasn't having a crisis of faith when I was in fourth or fifth grade. Um, so I just, I really enjoyed it. And it was something that I, you know, prayerfully discerned. Then when I uh, was in college, I had a long-term, um, I was courting a woman long-term, you know, I'd say girlfriend, uh, still developing in my faith. And then when we ended our relationship and discerned that it wasn't going to be uh, God's will or a good fit, I spent the next two and a half years honestly discerning the priesthood again and praying a lot. And I think that's where I want to bring this back to for my discernment was all about prayer. I talked to five different priests, at least different um, Dominicans and Franciscans and diocesan. And I was really struggling because I wanted to do God's will at this point in my life. Uh, I would say, you know, 22, 23, 24 year old around there was really wanting to do God's will and really wanting just that you know, lightning bolt experience of like, yes, you're supposed to be a priest and I'm going to be an awesome priest was kind of my thought process. 
failed as it was. But in that discernment, um, I ended up leaving college and moving back to Dallas-Fort Worth and on five different vocational lists and was actually planning on spending a year of prayer and then joining a, um, a you know seminary. But within a week of me moving back to Dallas-Fort Worth, God introduced me to my wife. And um, I was uh, taken aback on our first conversation together. We talked about St. Louis de Montfort's true devotion to Mary. I, um, you know, fell in love, but I was also still discerning, was also like, wait a minute, is this a test, God? Do you know where you're, gonna, where you're getting at? And I like to say that throughout my prayer and my discernment, for me, it was, um, I always had a preference for marriage, if that um, makes sense, that I, I had a preference when I was envisioning my life as a priest or as a married individual. Um, and and I feel like once God introduced me to my um, now wife, it was abundantly clear for me. Um, and that how we m met and the story of our courtship is is another call. So I guess there's not a black and white, but for me it was there was that preference that remained, but that openness. And ultimately, um, God introduced me to my wife, and there was as best as I can understand uh, a, a sincere knowing that uh, I was called to marriage when I met her. And we brought it up actually to a couple priests as well throughout our discernment. Um, so hopefully that that helps you. Everyone's different. So yeah, that's great. Moving along, we got another question that uh, a fan of GK Chesterton uh, asked us. What do you guys think about health in general that he thought this would be a fun conversation for us to talk about so sam you want to dive in first with health in general yeah yeah i'm a big chestertonian as well and um i am i'm not six nine and 350 pounds but um uh thank goodness but <laughs> but uh gk chesterton uh, kind of was a little carefree with his health. Of anyone who knows it, about him knows that he didn't really take it too seriously. He was too busy uh, kind of challenging the bad ideas and heresies of his day. Uh, he wasn't overly concerned with it. He loved his his beer and uh, sausages and cigars and uh, just really wasn't concerned about health at all. But what I do think the 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 important thing is that. Um, he shows us that, that sometimes we can take health too seriously. I mean, if you look around the culture, um, there's kind of an idolization of health in some quarters, uh, where that's really kind of, there's a, they, they kind of put like moral terms on it. Like you're, you're a wicked person. If you're not a complete gym rat, if you're not in CrossFit or if you, it's, it's like, it's like immoral almost, <laughs> you know, the way some people yeah. talk about fitness and health. Um, and there's just can be obsessions with diets and, um, you know, keto this and, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're the you're vegan or or maybe on the other side of the spectrum, you're like a meatitarian where all you eat is meat. The carnivore diet is really big right now. Um, but the point is, people can exalt these things. There's nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing wrong with trying to take care of your body. Absolutely not. 
Um, but I do think that we can idolize these things to the point where we start moralizing about them and put them on a, in a place where uh, it's maybe um, an unhealthy exaggeration. Um, and on the other hand, we can also uh, be completely indifferent to our health. And we do know, you know, as scripture says, that there, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we do need to take care of them. They are, our bodies are gifts. Uh, they are right. part of who we are. They're not uh, extraneous vehicles that we can use however we want without consequences. Um, and so I think we need to ask ourselves a few questions like, is, is my lack of, of uh, self-care in the health department harming my ability to serve God and love others? I mean, if, you, if you're so miserable that you can't in any way give of yourself tor- towards others or use the gifts that God has given you and, and um, kind of those talents, like in the parable of the talents, you know, the, those talents that God has given you, are you kind of burying them under unhealthy habits that are um, destroying you from the inside out? Um, maybe you need to rethink your health if that's the case. On the other hand, like, are you becoming so obsessed with health and fitness that you find yourself judging others? That you find yourself looking down your nose at those who maybe aren't as dedicated to their fitness regimen as you are. Um, and so I don't think there's any one right answer as to what um, the best lifestyle looks like. I'm totally against people who say that we should we should never have a cigar, or that we should never eat cheesecake because we're damaging our bodies and therefore that's a grave sin. No, God has given us all good things to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, it's all about moderation. It's all about balance. Uh, it's all about finding that golden mean. Um, and, w- you know, if we if we never feasted, life would be a lot less rich. But if we never fasted, we probably wouldn't enjoy our feasting as much either. So I think there's a, there's a great balance in there. But I personally have gotten a lot more active physically lately and all my muscles are sore, but it feels so good. And I feel like uh, God has designed it so that exercise inherently feels good. So if you're not doing anything at all, consider something to get your body moving. Uh, and I think uh, also take a look at your diet and just see, you know, are, are you uh, harming your body through excess and then rein that in a little bit. So anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. No, I really appreciate it. I thought you said it, you touched on everything and, and it is, it's uh very uh, well stated. I'd like to just kind of drive home that fact that we are body-mind individuals, psychosoma individuals, and God has created us that way. And I think that your point about how does it make you feel? So for instance, I think temperament plays a lot into this. I know people who are very kind of phlegmatic or uh, maybe even sanguine phlegmatic or something like that in general. And so they're uh, I make the joke, you know, GABA is a neurotransmitter transmitter that, you know, calms our emotions. And some people are just like, just exude naturally. They exude GABA. Like they're, they're just, they're just so relaxed and chill. Um, that's not me. I'm a high strong individual. I am a, you know, type A, very focused. Anxiety is something that I struggle with. And I know specifically a handful of things. If I am uh, uh, taking in too much sugar, uh, I can't give myself fully to my family. I can't give myself fully to others because I start feeling physically sick. 
Same thing with alcohol, right? If, um, if it's kept to feasting, it works out great for me. If it becomes, uh, you know, a daily desire or something along that lines, that has different, you know, issues. But if I do just have a cup of, of wine or a cup of scotch, eventually my stomach starts hurting all the time. And, um, Again, I'm also tired in the morning and that affects me as well. So that um, this idea of maintaining a moderate lifestyle and maybe an extreme in certain situations is very, very important and helpful for me. And then the other thing about working out, for those who struggle with anxiety and depression, they know that you just feel better. It is easier to go and experience virtue and practice virtue in your life when you're working out because it's balancing your whole self to a better degree. I like, uh, as a parent, there's one thing that my wife and I state is like, what can we do to make it difficult for our kids to be bad? Like, you know, what are we doing and what are we allowing that makes it just, you know, um, too much sugar, as I've just brought up, you know, so what can we do in their lives? I and mean, I think about that with my own life is, is what can I do that makes it easier to be virtuous? And for me, um, as far as it's referring to health, it's going to be, yeah, waking up, making sure I'm getting a little bit of workout in and really moderating my diet. And I think that holds true for the good majority of people that are listening uh, to us. So I just add that, you know, final point to what Sam already stated well, so. Yeah, one last thing I want to say on that department too is, is um, uh, a good rule of thumb to use to know like, is something going too far? Like, am I having too much soda or like, you know, am I having too much uh, other like sugars or, or things that are like really harming my body? Um, one thing that I just kind of a basic rule of thumb I use is if it ever feels like a craving, like a need, like oh, I really need a Coke right now. Um, then I just tell myself, no, mm-hmm. but if it's a want, like, oh man, it's a hot day and ice cold Coke would, would taste really great. That's good. And then I, then I maybe allow myself to do that. But the point is whenever it crosses that line from, I want this to, I need this, like my body's just craving it. And we, you know, John and I have talked about before about like, you know, I, I actually enjoy a cigarette now and then, but I've never crossed that line to like needing to smoke. Like, um, it's just, it's a choice. It's something I want to do. And I'll tell myself yes or no, depending on the circumstances. Um, but I've never gotten addicted to it. Never even gotten habituated to it, really. Because whenever it starts to feel like I need to smoke, then I was just like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, and, and that keeps you in the driver's seat. Um, and you don't become a slave to those passions. And the thing, too, is different personalities respond differently. Like John said, you know, like things that he's sensitive to, I'm not sensitive to at all. Some people get addicted to things super easily. Just know yourself, know your body, listen to those things and um, seek moderation in all things. Yeah, right on. So next question that we got uh, from Michael is, what do I do regarding coworkers who take the Lord's name in vain? all day, every day. Apparently he's been with this company for a lot of years. He's even brought it up to management and they haven't done anything to assist him. So I think it's really important, first and foremost, if I just jump in here, is to understand that uh, it is a serious matter, right? Taking the Lord's name in vain. 
I think we have lost the reverence of God in our society. I don't think, I know. <laughs> uh, everyone can see that we have lost uh, the reverence of God everywhere in our society. And what is taking the Lord's name in vain? It is saying the Lord's name without its due reverence or its due purpose. And I know that there's some people who disagree with, you know, saying things like, oh my God, as taking the Lord's name in vain. I, I do think it is. I avoid that and I will instruct people around me as such. Um, kind of stick to my um, bearings there. Now, culpability, that's another whole conversation that I'm not uh, diving into right here, but it is something that is of serious matter and something that we should take um, seriously. Now, I would say, what's your level of, of friendship with individuals? Because if you're just going to be proselytized and you're going to go around, you're going to just, uh, you know, make them you know, feel bad or uncomfortable, and you're going to have to work with them day in and day out, right? You might take the approach of praying for them every single time you hear them say the Lord's name in vain. Uh, it's something I practice on a regular basis myself. And if that doesn't help you from taking the Lord's name in vain and help you start reverencing our Lord's name, um, you know, better, a uh, few things will, but it really does. So every time somebody takes the Lord's name in vain, I'll, I'll pause, uh, especially if I don't know them or hear, heard it on TV or something like that. And I'll offer up a Hail Mary and I'll pray for their soul. I'll pray that they might be graced with the gift of faith and that they might learn to um, adore God's holy name. If you do know them and they know you well enough, then um, I will, I'll actually instruct people. I'll, I'll call them out, you know, charitably, or I might start that conversation by when I hear them take the Lord's name in vain, I'll say something like, might he be praised, you know, above the earth and below. And, um, you know, something along those lines. And they'll be like, what did he just say? And then they'll realize what happened. And then we'll have that conversation. And generally in these situations of friendship, they, um, you know, they listen uh, to you. So, um, I do think it's an important question. It's one that we need to take seriously. It did make the top 10 list of, of commandments and and one that we uh, we should be reflecting on in discerning. So that's where my mind immediately jumps to when I just read that question. Yeah, there's not much to add there, so uh, we'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, good. Well, Sam, you want to grab the next one for us? Yeah, so the next question is from Edward who asks, do we spend too much time trying to convert Protestants and not enough time evangelizing non-believers or the poor, addicted, etc.? Um, so I guess my the way I'd set this one off is who's the we, and I assume he means Catholics. Um, but I think it's important to remember that the church is a massive organization. I mean, it is in and um there are different people called to different things, you know. Um as St. Paul says, you know, there's there's many gifts in the body of Christ, and there, some are called to serve the poor and the addicted. I mean, I know, John, you you know, I have a relationship with, you know, the Franciscan uh, friars um, uh, in New York, and, and kind of went to one of their ordinations recently, but they do amazing work. Um, with the poor and the addicted and they live right there with them and they don't come to them from a place of you know great wealth or anything they just live their life with the poor of, of, of that area and um, there's many the missionaries of charity is another organization that's but individually as well I mean I know there are uh, St. Paul Street evangelization where there's people who volunteer go out pass out 
tracks on rosaries uh, just to passersby on the street. They don't know what their religious background is. I do get the point, though, that, you know, with our apologetics, we do spend a lot of time um, answering Protestant objections um, and trying to win over um, uh, Protestants to the Catholic faith. A lot of our, um, you know, apologetics organizations do focus a lot of their time on those objections. But I do think it is a diverse diverse um, church with many people serving God in different ways. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's another question that we could ask. Can I kind of follow up on that one? And John, can you? Yeah, well, right before um, my thoughts real quick on, on this, I think Sam's exactly right that it is, we have to, we ask to ask ourselves those things. I also think our, our time and situation plays a lot into it. And I just like to say, what is God calling you to? Sam and I have brought it up on this episode. Like if you are listening to us for the first time, the 20th time, we're grateful, but pause, pause the video and, or the, the audio and, and just ask God, is this the best use of your time right now? That's so important for us to be doing multiple times a day is what does God want me to be spending my time with? And, and I'll say it right here with this one is what is God calling you to? Hopefully you see within the Catholic gentleman, like Sam and I feel called to doing this. We pray about this a lot and, and we feel called and inspired and um, grateful for this opportunity, but not everybody is called to this and everybody's called to be a saint though. And we have to embrace that in our modern context. And I think we see in Twitter and we see in social media and on the news and everything, basically um, a, a, just a ton of, of evil in the world. And we see a lot of people kind of speaking that evil as if it's something worth a worthwhile pursuit. And we struggle with that. And we, you know, here in America in, in particular, uh, we have just this overwhelming amount of noise, both in the video, digital, uh, advertising, social media realm, that everybody has their opinions. And so are we trying to bring people to uh, Catholicism, whether they're atheists, agnostic, Protestants, um, versus spending our time in the corporal works of our different corporal works of mercy of, of the poor and addicted? And just to, to Sam's question, if you are called then that's that's what that's what you need to be doing. You need to figure out how to enter that in. But yeah, St. Vincent de Paul Society, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that are out there um, devoted to that. If you're feeling called to it, uh, you know, get connected and, and do that. As far as a either or proposition, I agree with Sam that I think it's it's more of a both and, and, you know, each individual, God's calling each of us to our own walk in life. And, and where is he calling you is, is what I would challenge our listeners. Yeah, and, and there's another point I want to make here, too, is follow those desires. I'm not talking about uh, uh, those surface-level desires uh, like we were talking about a minute ago, like I want a Coke. I'm talking about those deeper desires and inclinations that God's placed in your heart that are stable, consistent. They last a long time. Like, they're, it's just, it feels like, like, for example, I just feel this creative urge. Like I want to be uh, an artist, a photographer, a graphic designer or whatever. Well, if that's, if that's your inclination, that's your desire, it would probably be a grave mistake for you to try to be an engineer or a mathematician. Like that's probably not what God's calling you to do. God has placed desires in our hearts for a reason. And this kind of goes back to, to the 
to the priesthood or the, the married state. Sometimes it's not clear. But if you do feel a strong desire to get married, don't torture yourself like agonizing over if God's calling you to the priesthood. If God's placed a clear desire in your heart, just follow that. And, it's, and I would say the same here too. If you feel like, like, you know, you don't feel called to engage Protestants with answers to their objections or to defending the Catholic faith, and you feel a call to the poor and the needy, and you feel like, you know, I don't understand what the attraction people see about arguing over sola scriptura. I want to just get out there, get my hands dirty and serve a homeless person. Yeah. Well, by all means, do it. <laughs> you know, great. follow those desires. Um, and and don't worry about it, whatever the people are doing. You know, leave that to the, you know, God and between them and God, you know, uh, and uh, we, you know, there's there's uh, parables to in the gospels to that effect too, where we can kind of get so caught up in what others are doing that let's just focus on what God's called us to do and answer that call and follow those those deeper desires that God's placed in our heart and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah, well stated. So I guess moving along to the next question, and that's Timoteo. And he asks, beside Father Calloway's consecration to St. Joseph, are there any other formation resources available for use by the laity? It's interesting. He must be on social media a lot because Father Calloway's consecration to St. Joseph isn't one of the, the, the best sellers in church history, but it's definitely one that is, is out there all the time, praise be to God, uh, you know, today. So this uh, I find a little humor in this. He also says specifically to those who are in the military. So there's kind of two layers to this question. So Sam, you want to you want to dive in first, or you want me to throw out my two cents? Um, yeah, I would just say formation um, has different aspects, as John mentioned, and, and you know, there's just that natural training and virtue and manliness that I think is important for all of us. Um, you know, before we, you know, like for example, if you're a completely undisciplined person, you know, you get out of bed. And, you know, your room is a disaster. Um, again, you're not taking care of your health in any way. You're always late for work. Uh, basically, your life is a complete disaster. But then you decide that, you know, you're just you're going to pile on spiritual activities on top of all of that. Mm. It probably isn't going to go very well. Mm. So there's a, there's a kind of some basics of like getting your house in order, developing some basic virtue and, and just general discipline in your life then may or may not have anything to do necessarily with the spiritual life. It might just be about, you know, you could be a complete atheist and still live a disciplined, virtuous life uh, at some level. Um, but it's a good foundation for that later spiritual training that comes afterwards where you're, you're adding on habits of prayer and virtue. And, and I'm not saying you have to have all your ducks in perfect order before you begin a spiritual life. I'm just saying that there are some natural virtue uh, some training in natural virtue that can be a good foundation for spiritual life. So there's that basic formation as a man, and there's 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 tons of resources out there um, on just general training as a human being, formation as a human being, as a virtuous, disciplined human being. Um, but then once you've gone there, like and in, in, in kind of developed some good virtuous habits you can go even deeper and there's always a another level of, of depth that you can pursue. Um, but I know there's, there's definitely some, some books that are uh, out there that are really good. that kind of bring both worlds together, the natural and the supernatural um, grace builds on nature. Right. But there's, there's some books that do a really good job 
of bringing those two worlds together um, and kind of combining those levels of formation. Um, and we've had one guest on before uh, to uh, talk about one of those books. John, do you want to, want to take? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that. I think, Sam, you're, you're spot on. And um, I think this is so important uh, for us to to talk about and the formation as a human, right? There's a book recently that's come out called the 5am club, right? And it's all about waking up at 5am and what that can do for your life. Now, of course, you got to go to bed at like 10 o'clock, you can't go to bed at midnight and wake up at 5am. Um, like that's not going to help you. But the point of this book is that there's so many virtuous men and virtuous um, scholars in, in history that have have really found that early to bed, early to rise. But again, that's just that's a that's a human lived experience, you know, not necessarily um, a spiritual experience. So I'm, I'm glad you took it in that direction. It's not my mind immediately went to this laundry list of books that <laughs> that uh, I'm aware of. So I will throw out a couple there, right? So um, a shameless plug for um, the Catholic gentleman. We are actually launching kind of like our foundational spiritual book um, package. Uh, hopefully this week. Um, I, re- I I got the books in, but they're just going to have five spiritual books, uh, devotional books, right? So when we're talking about devotional books, those are those books that you're going to open up you're going to read like two, three pages, maybe, and then you're going to pray about, and they can be there with you as you're growing in holiness. And um, and some of them work for uh, you at this point in your life. I can think of um, uh, a number of books. In fact, one of them that I'll bring up, Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. Uh, that book worked incredibly well for me early on in my marriage. Um, picked it up like last year. And uh, while it's a beautiful book and it's it's great, it really wasn't resonating with me. And so I wasn't going to be held in bondage to go through this book um, that I've been through before. And I picked up uh, a different one, in uh, Imitations of Christ by Thomas Kempis. And that one was really just in, in my was kicking me in the butt in the way that I needed to be um, at, you know, at that time. And so uh, it's great to have these uh, at your disposal. Uh, one that Sam was referencing there was Devin Shod's um, book, uh, Lead, which is a devotional book uh, for marks of fatherly greatness, specifically for fathers. So if you're married or you're pursuing the fatherhood, you know, um, or you are a father, this is a great two-page devotional. I think it's 190-some uh, days and it's just uh, like takes less than five minutes to read. Uh, they kind of he uses scripture, he uses ca- uh, church teaching, he uses saints uh, to really just kind of call men to authentic masculinity and holiness. Uh, so that's a great one for fathers. And then Kustos is his um, version of consecration to Saint Joseph. So because you bring that up, it occurs in my mind. And then the final thing I'll leave. You mentioned specifically for those in the military. I go over to Archdiocese for Military Services website. If there is one that they recommend, it's going to be there. I kind of think our spiritual lives are a battle at all times. I'm I'm very much in that belief and in that camp. And I think all the church fathers would agree with me that um, we we are at battle with Satan. We are at battle with uh, things of this world and temptations of the flesh and um, pride and these sort of vices that that grip us. And so we, using that sort of aspect, there's a great book by Don Lorenzo Scupoli that is called uh, Spiritual Combat, also a devotional. And if you're kind of looking for more of that militaristic approach, uh, I would recommend that one as as a great read that can that can help you you know in your life. I'll finish with I think all these books to like truly ingrain and and be 
transformed into Christ and brought to a deeper level of holiness, we kind of have to saturate ourselves in the brine of the um, the writings. And so you might read these books multiple times. Um, all the books that I just mentioned, guarantee you, I will read more than once in my life. A couple of them I'll probably end up reading, you know, depending on how long my life is. There are a few spiritual books that I've read uh, like 10 times. And so I think that's important to, you know, um, be aware of and um, balance within your own prayer life. So. Yeah, so hopefully that'll get you started. Um, just kind of moving on to our next question. Uh, David asks, how does a man form a discipline of prayer in his life? What are some tools that can help men do that besides an alarm clock? I think that's, that uh, is, a, is a good question. Um, I would just say on this one, a few things. How do you form any discipline in life? How do you form any habit in life? Um, Set those reminders, yes, an alarm clock doesn't hurt, an alarm in your phone that goes off at a set time every day. Um, but I would say, too, look for those windows of time. Um, and if you don't have any, surely you have some. If you don't have any, though, make some. Make a window. Even if it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, find some time. Make some time. Um, and, and stick to it. Um, John was just talking about the 5 a.m. club. Get up a little early. Get up 15 minutes earlier, shake off those cobwebs, mentally speaking, and and uh, get started early in the morning. But but beyond that, I would say look for those anchor prayers. Um, have a have a habit or a non-negotiable prayer that you do every day. It could be as simple as just a morning consecration or a morning offering. Um, it could be something more um, like liturgy of the hours or the rosary or something. But pick a prayer that I would say is non-negotiable for you. Um, don't do anything too burdensome, but just do something that you stick to no matter what, no matter how you feel, whether you feel like praying or not, just something that you stick to and you do every day without fail. Um, and then after that, um, I would say let the spirit lead. Like if you feel drawn to um something a little more meditative like the jesus prayer or um if you find uh there's books um uh, books of, of meditations that are a little more discursive like um uh oh my goodness i'm, I'm blanking what what's the the carmelite one um that's so so popular uh, uh teresa babala um no i i, I never mind <laughs> there's yeah, a book yeah, no no they kind of follow the liturgical year um, written by Carmeline. It's really beautiful. Um, but at any rate, there's different prayer books that can guide, be a little more guided meditation, if you will. Um, or you can just pray spontaneously, but yeah, whatever yeah. Or, uh, you feel drawn to, but find those non-negotiable prayers, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, I'll just add a, a couple um items to my own experience and and what's helped me i really like that the different types of prayers like also like for instance lexio divina some people love it some people really struggle with it uh some people aren't inspired by it other people are transformed by it so be aware of this incredible really never-ending um resource that the church has for types of prayers and things to to approach and um find one that that fits where you are 
with the same understanding that it's going to change as your life changes and as you grow in holiness and as you grow um, in the devout life. And, and so then, um, you know, I, I do kind of like, um, I like Jose Maria Escriva quite a bit. And he just talks about just admit the fact that it's a struggle, right? You might not feel inspired to pray in the morning, but consistency is key. So man up and uh, and stick with the struggle, but be aware that it, it will be at times a struggle. There will be situations that you're, uh, me as a father, that your kids are sick and you, one of them's in bed with you and you're nursing a couple other ones to health and you get like four or five hours of sleep at night and you just want to skip sleep, skip, skip praying and, you know, grumble throughout your day. Don't. Right? Those are the times where you really need to pray. Those are the times where you really need to focus on it. And does that mean it's going to be easy? No, not necessarily. But it is something that can provide such great fruit and such consistency in your life. We eat every day. Um, we should pray every day. And uh, just to add to what Sam was saying, that it is within prayer that we truly uh, find our relationship with Christ and are able to to grow in holiness, you know, through Our Lady and and beyond. So. I think that's a, a good question and, uh, you know, hopefully a couple ideas for you to, to meditate on. Yeah. And I'll say too, there's, there's, there's kind of a, a picture that we get of prayer that can be um, kind of informed by the exceptional cases of the saints, you know, who are having mystical experiences or ecstasies or things like that. And, and well, certainly that's possible. I think really the, the point is that it's communion with God. Um, and I do love what St. Maximilian Colby talks about how like holiness consists in ultimately in just doing the will of God at every moment. And I uh, he uses this, uh, this uh, example that I really like, but he talks about um, this idea that when you, like, let's say you're a carpenter and someone orders some bookcases or something, and you're building those bookcases, do you have to be thinking of that customer every single moment of the day while you're working on those bookcases? No, but you're still doing it for them. You're still making that bookcase for that customer. And it's the same thing too with like a morning offering can be such a beautiful practice um, where you're consciously giving everything in your day, joys, sorrows, works, uh, just everything to God and it's kind of like you're handing it over to him and then you just go about your day in the sense that that's like the simplest prayer of all is just everything's a prayer. Everything is given to God. Everything is consecrated to him. Um, and if you set your intention that that's what you're going to do at the beginning of the day, um, you know, the, the, taking changing that that baby's diaper or like taking out the trash or you know, putting gas in your car or filing that report at work that's been, you know, a monkey on your back. Like all of those things done with the spirit of love and sacrifice can be prayers if we allow them to be. Um, I'm not, I'm not, that's not to, to say we should never do any of those other forms of prayer that the church recommends, but I'm just saying that, that everything can be a prayer if we allow it to be. Amen. No, I completely agree. And so let's round it out with this, uh, probably the most important question that we're going to talk about Absolutely. today, Good question. And without, without a doubt. And so Gregory asks us, uh, what are your thoughts on growing a beard? Are you for or against all men growing beards? Just curious what you guys think. 
I, I mean, the easiest answer is, you know, boys don't grow beards, men do. So are you a man? No, I'm joking. Um, but <laughs> Sam, what are your thoughts on beards? Well, the, the canons of the, the Third Council of Tripoli um, declared <laughs> that all beards are required for holiness uh, and exactly. that uh, you, must, you must have one or you will be excommunicated uh, ipso facto. Uh, Without question. No, no. Um, yeah. I, I do. Buy I, your beard, do, they will know do you. I think beards are very uh, manly. Um, but uh, no, it, absolutely not. As fact, in fact, in the Western tradition, um, priests and, and and monks were frequently clean shaven, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it was actually a huge deal when the Capuchins uh, decided to grow beards. Like uh, they, it was like a revolutionary thing that, that the Capuchins weren't going to shave because pretty much everybody shaved in the Middle Ages, uh, all the way up through the you know the, the modern era. In the Western world, priests, that's just what priests did. Um, and that kind of comes from the Roman tradition of being clean shaven. Um, whereas more in Eastern Christianity, of course, you see a lot more beards. But uh, but really, it makes no difference. Uh, whatever your preference is, go for it. I personally have a beard because I have a baby face and I would look like I was about uh, 18 years old if I shaved my beard off and, and I don't want to get carded everywhere. So... <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. So I actually really want to do an episode on beards. So uh, we will we'll have to the the history of them and everything. I find it really fascinating. It's actually just a you know humorous joy in my life. So um, yeah, I mean I can't uh, disagree with Sam. I I also know that there's some incredibly great men uh, that just aren't are really capable of of growing beards for genetic reasons, and you know, and and it's it's probably a, a cross for them in life, and we shall pray for them all. But um, uh, but no, I'm I I you know enjoy my beard, but at the same time, um, I will probably shave off my beard, you know, sometime in the future, you know. And, I have no uh, idea. I can't even picture what you would look like. So, exactly. It's, it's a it's a whole new world that dream. we. Yeah, stay tuned. One episode. You got to keep on watching these episodes, and then eventually it'll be gone one day. So, anyways, I I'm just really grateful for your questions. I think it's a good point, though, to say ask us questions, shoot us messages. It can be in comment sections, it can be info at catholicgentleman.com. Send us your questions. We really love doing these. They're they're um, a joy for us. They give us a little bit of opportunity to uh, pause and reflect on things that maybe we take for granted or we don't think about anymore because of um, our current life state. So I'm I'm appreciative. For these yeah, and we can't promise our answers will be right, but at least they'll be interesting. So yeah, absolutely. So thank you for joining us as we like to end all episodes. Be a man, be a saint. <laughs>